0: Good afternoon. This is Jerry DiPiano from Pem Pharma Consumer Healthcare, and you are listening to our podcast this afternoon with Dr. Juliana Hauser. Juliana Hauser is a sex expert, and she leads conversations about relationships, agency, sexuality, intimacy, and so much more. She is quite a professional but she also lends her expertise expertise with a great deal of fun. She studied and received her PhD in counseling education from the College of William and Mary. She is a thought leader in her field, diving deep into the hard to have conversations that all of us need to be having. She spent decades counseling and supporting thousands of individuals and partners on their path to discover their sexual agency, relationship intimacy, and a fulfilling sexual connection. Thank you so much for joining us today, Juliana.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Today, our webinar is going to focus on fulfilling sexual relationships and partnerships, but many couples experience challenges finding sexual fulfillment. And some individuals who don't have partnerships or are not or who are not in committed relationships may also experience concerns around how they can fulfill themselves sexually. And I know we're going to dive into some of those conversations, but it really starts with the past, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And unpacking some of this information, I think you used the term cleaning out the closet.
1: You know, there's a beautiful scene uh, in a movie of Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer, where they're having an argument in bed, and the actors uh, are speaking to each other, and then all of a sudden, one of the parents is in is in bed with them, and another parent gets in bed, and you realize that when you're having an argument or when you are dealing with something in your present, that you are always bringing the past into it as well. And there's many voices that are often in your head that we are so used to hearing, we don't even realize or even remember where they're coming from. So one of the things when I have um, anyone coming to me and asking for how can I improve and have more fulfilling sex life and sex connection in, in my life, I start in a place that may seem different um, for others. So I don't start with, with sex tips, although that has value. We start with the past. And I have an exercise that um, I call Cleaning Out the Closet. And really, what we do is we go through the messages that they have received, whether it's one person or, or multiple people, uh, about certain things uh, about sex and in the world of sexuality, and also from. And then we start looking at are these things that fill you where you are right now? Are they serving the purpose of what you want in your sexual connection and your sexual life? And after we decide where you learned it from and what those values and what those messages were, then we look at them and we're like, okay, is this something that you keep? Is this something that you need to tweak and change a bit? Is this something that you need to throw out just like you do when you're decluttering a room uh, or cleaning out your closet? So we go so, through so all of that. It can, it's an exhaustive approach and absolutely powerful and a beautiful foundation because when you think about if you are wanting to have sexual connection with anybody else, You have so much that you're dragging to the interaction. Some of it's positive, some of it isn't, but you still have a lot that you're bringing in. And if you're wanting to have sexual connection with somebody else, so are they. And we've all these things that we're dragging in that we're not speaking about, if we're even aware of it. And we are supposed to magically connect, have the right kind of bags together, have the right kind of messages and values and have that magically work. And if it's going to be with somebody that you do this with more than once, continuously work. Uh, and that is misleading. Uh, that is not how it does work. And you need to do a purposeful, intentional view. Um, and I think a fun way of doing that is through cleaning out the closet. It, you know,
0: it's interesting that you, we talk about sexual connection first there has to be a dismantling of what each of you bring to the relationship the sexual relationship that you might establish with the other person and how to dismantle these parts of your past and your your thinking and we you know we look at issues like sexual discrepancies in terms of desire and frequency and Proclivities and all that has to be addressed. So you're you're now in a potential relationship. You found a partner. You want to have intimacy. What's the next step? We've mm-hmm. we've decided that we want to meet each other where we feel comfortable, even if that means that you accommodate some of the terminology and some of the misconceptions that might exist. Where do where do we go from here?
1: Mm-hmm. I. I like to check in, even if it's just briefly, as to what's the motivation. What are we wanting out of this sexual connection? And that doesn't necessarily have to be the conversation, but I like everyone to check in with themselves. And, and because the answer can be shocking. Sometimes the answer is because I want this person to like me. And if that's the reason why you're in sexual connection, you need to know it because your expectations and your communication may be different and your interpretation of the interaction may feel different and be different in the moment and afterwards. Um, perhaps it's just like, we're just gonna have fun. Okay, great. Then that also leads to your expectations and your motivations within it. So I start with, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you wanting to be a part of this? And that you can, you can ask that question quickly if things are moving along quickly, or it can be something that you're really walking in with purpose and intention. And I suggest doing both. And that's how we, all, we walk into sexual connection in different ways, uh, but we should always have that level of self-reflection. Then after you've kind of figured out for yourself and hopefully you had that communication with, if you're doing this with a partner, then it's, uh, it's about having fun, having fun and having some freedom of finding out how and what you're actually connecting with. So you know, I love using the word, instead of sex saying sexual connection, And really looking at what um, what am I wanting to invite you into in my life, um, in my soul, in my body, in my sexual connection? And what am I willing to be vulnerable enough to share with you and to express myself to? And am I being somebody that if I'm partnered with somebody that I'm allowing them to have that own space and own ability to share and connect with me sexually um, or in an intimate way uh, beyond a physical connection? And and then have the attitude as well, uh, and, uh, and the caveat, of course, is we're not speaking about anything that would be a power differential or a sexual assault. So that aside, this is completely consensual and, and within um, appropriateness. Um, then it's being curious. Um, about finding in yourself where are places that I may want to try new things, where are places where I, I don't think I want to try this. And instead of finding no's to be a failure, really looking at it as something that's positive, like, oh, we're not going to try this again. Uh, that is also something I think is really missing when you're looking at fulfilling sexual connection. When, you know, sex is messy, literally it's messy, and it, it's, it's, it can be clunky at times, especially when you have a new partner um, or if you have a long-term partner and you've been in the same routine of doing things and you're trying to change things up a bit. So having grace with yourself, with the connection, with the experiences with your body and not taking all of it so seriously can also lend you to open up to having more fun and not bringing more shame into our sexual journey um, than we're already carrying along the way. The
0: the messages that we receive and you could go to Dr. Google and you can see the you know how to have better more sex and there are 12 steps and it's so genericized but if you're really what you're really sharing with us and with our is this really comes down to very individualized ways in which to address what makes you feel sexually fulfilled and it's not one cookie cutter approach for every individual. What makes me happy or what makes you happy or what makes someone listening to this happy is can be very, very different. And it, it also may be a function of where you are in life, your age, your physical condition, whether you're an empty nester or whether you have children running around your home or whether you're perimenopause, menopausal, straight, gay, a member of the LGBTQIA community. It's all very different. So we have to do that basic assessment. And we we also need to think about sexual function and what that means. So there's desire, there's arousal, and there's orgasm. And it's different for every person at, at different ages. So maybe we could spend some time on those topics and what that means to sexual fulfillment.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want to wrap up how beautifully you, you just spoke about our, our former topic and to say that um, I really believe it's your birthright to walk into your sexuality. And I think it's your responsibility to know what you need and what you want and to be able to communicate it to uh, to learn more about yourself and to communicate it with others. Uh, so talking about. Uh, desire, and orgasms. You're absolutely correct. It's very individual uh, in many ways. There are some things that that we have in common with our bodies, uh, but there's a lot of variance too. Uh, And absolutely how it presents itself uh, very much intersects with our life stage and if we're partnered with our, our partner's life stage as well. And even if we're the same age and the same circumstances, we can experience our life stages very differently. And that is a really important to navigate um, as well. Um, and, And when you stop putting so much pressure on yourself and your body to get it quote right, then it allows for your body to speak to you differently, to tell you, I need attention here. I need something, I need medical help. I need intervention with products. And that that's not a shameful thing. It is a relief. We live in an era where we have products like yours that can help us imagine what it was like years ago, decades ago, hundreds of years ago, for people, for women who have bodies that don't have access to that, thank goodness. That's not something to be ashamed of, something to be grateful for, because it has been going on as we've had bodies. And, and to me, I think that makes a very big difference. And it's very powerful. Like when I want a group of women looking specifically about desire, what I really love to hear is when someone's like, yeah, I want this this is what I want my image to look like. This is what I want my de- relationship with desire to be like, and I'm going to start working on it outside of sexual connection. I'm going to find the spark in my life, and then I'm going to use that spark outside of sexual connection to help inform me inside sexual connection, and it doesn't seem so scary or such a long bridge after that.
0: What, what would you characterize as a spark? Can you give us an example of a spark?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that question. And it's different for everybody. One of the sparks that I found in myself, and I have found it uh, uh, more common than I thought, is I feel two things really spark me. One is uh, when I'm out in nature, and particularly mountains, mountains really do it for me. And I feel I feel really in touch with myself, I feel really alive and I am out of the myopicness of my life, which often makes me feel not sparky. If I'm so busy and doing the rat racing, got the kids and all that kind of stuff, it just gives me a moment to pause. It is also a way that um, I'm very mindful. And so I find when I'm mindful, meditating or mindful that that's really sparky to me. That and uh, really having rich conversations and connections with other people I feel really alive in those places I feel sexy in those places even if the conversation has nothing to do with that and I and I realized too it's so much because I feel sparky when I feel seen when I feel wanted even if it's nothing to do with something sexually um, it just makes me come alive that and music I love music that isn't as common or it isn't as, as across the board but connection and, uh, and nature seems to be something that I hear a lot, but I, I, I hear the gamut of it, which is exciting and beautiful, and uh, it's a question we should all be asking ourselves. What about you?
0: So I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of music. And I listen to I have a wide range of musical tastes, but I tend to listen to heavy metal rock and roll. So. <laughs> I love it, Sherry, that's so great. Oh, I love all the head banging um, that goes on with heavy metal rock and roll, but it takes me to a different place, a younger place, mm-hmm. a more adventurous place. And I guess that's part of the desire. It's what you know, There's an 18 year old woman living inside of me that really hasn't grown up very much when it comes to desire and that is reminiscent so listening to that heavy metal music is reminiscent of that woman who was, you know, very adventurous and creative and all those things without giving away too much information but Perhaps someone else has, you know, the wa- has water as mm-hmm. something that sparks it. Being at the at the beach or being in the mountains, gardening, or the
1: <laughs> crafting,
0: mm-hmm. right? Whatever yeah. sort of brings you back to yourself and your and connecting with yourself and feeling good about you, and um, that probably brings you back. What doesn't bring me back is seeing my husband wearing sandals with black socks. <laughs>
1: yes. Understandable. Understandable.
0: (laughs) We talk about when we talk about desire. There are also some visual cues. I would imagine that can make us feel more so inclined to want to make that sexual connection, Mm -hmm. and not. Then there are other cues, as I just described, that may not be so exciting and create so much enthusiasm. And then we get to the topic of arousal. So Mm -hmm. desire, then arousal. And arousal is both physiological as well as psychological. So the brain, right, the brain controls the way we start to feel in our bodies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And, and I, I, again, uh, I feel like we haven't been taught this sophisticated way of looking at it. And for some, they don't even know there's a difference between arousal and desire. And there is. There's an important difference. Um, and that comes out when we're even when we're speaking about um, assault at times, but also when we're talking about within consensual growth. It's it's interesting. Sometimes our mind doesn't match what our body is doing, and it can be either way. That our body is reacting in a way, in an arousal way, but our mind actually isn't there, or our mind is feeling quite aroused, and our body isn't responding in a way that either typically does or that you want it to. Um, and that's quite confusing. And again, I, uh, with that, I, I like doing some excavation as to what's happening. Um, I, I think the concept of safety is really important when you're looking at it, if there's any kind of discrepancy. And then I think it's really interesting to check in with your with your physical health to see, is there a difference? And then where my lane is, is I looking I like looking at relationships, relationship with your body, relationship that if you're in one and relationship that you have with yourself of how are you doing beyond the question of sparkiness um, it's really how how in how aware of you are, are you of yourself how are you feeling about who you are and how is that presenting uh, in your arousal either present like your style arousal style because I think there's arousal styles also um, and again, which, which is the right one. There is no right one. Uh, but I, I think it, when I work with people the most is when they see a change happen in their arousal style. It's alarming when you feel like you don't have control over it or, and you don't even know why it's happening and you're not really sure how to find out um and instead of panicking with that which i think is a natural reaction to it we go back to the word that i say a lot which is you have to just get curious that's when you're going to be when you when you're curious you can be creative and your body can speak to you a lot better um, and you can be acting um in, in like in empowerment and in agency instead of in fear and that makes a big difference also and again, thank goodness there are people like you and companies like you that said it matters how your body is arousing, how your body's responding to this. And, um, and And you don't have to put up with this or that. There are things we can do about this.
0: We're not arousing and feeling as though you have to satisfy someone else before you take responsibility for feeling that you are fulfilled, that you are satisfied. So that that is super important as we, particularly as we think about women and some of the historical uh, conditioning and perhaps uh, some of the cultural barriers that have been established for us. It's Mm -hmm. super important to remember that you need something for yourself. You must take care of yourself. That's why we did Mia Vita, Mm -hmm. My Life. It is really about my life and it's about feeling that you have control. And sex is so important to our quality of life. It really is underestimated. And not everyone has the same type of sexual experience. Not everyone has an orgasm as the mind-blowing orgasms that as the woman that was described in the Billy Idol song, right? And that's okay, and that will change over time. But when, as you described, but when one partner is feeling that they have the perfect sex life and the other one is feeling like, this is really bad. I mean, this this is really like not, this is not even, it's worse than bad if that's possible. I hurt, I feel pain, I don't wanna have intercourse. I don't wanna have intercourse once a week, once a month. I don't even wanna have intercourse once a year. Then what? And I'm sure you've had those couples that have come to you where one person feels that's perfectly acceptable and the other person is saying, oh my gosh, I want more than this. I want more than just sitting on the sofa holding hands.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, And I I wanna go back really fast to uh, a point you made that is profound and it's missed a lot, uh, but of course you don't miss it, um, that, I actually talk, and this is a more gendered experience, um, and I'm actually starting a new project about it, that I'm asking women in particular to describe the moment when they give in to the no. When, and, I, and again, it's, it, it's kind of consensually giving in. They're not being coerced into it, but they just say like, I need to get this out of the way. Uh, I need to check this off the list. Or you grimace while it's hurting and you don't tell your partner that it's hurting. Um, or you, um, what, and, and how many times women, people please, how many times people grit and women grit and bear it. And what is that like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? And what are your thoughts during, the, during that time period? And after like, can kind I of get through all that data? I, I really wanted to, to work my theories of how do we get out of that? How do we help women in particular not do that? And how do we help their partners to tune into that so that it's not all just on her to communicate it? But going to like your um, uh, forward back to um, their to examples of this. And absolutely. Like I, when I work with couples, uh, the discrepancy of needs and wants is very common and it's it's devastating. Uh, It's devastating that happens a lot of times there's more than just one thing that isn't working and, and that they're off balance on but there are times when it really is a very beautiful relationship that they have a big difference in their sexual needs and wants and and why they don't make the decision to end the relationship and they're coming to me for help is we want to stay together, but we how in the world do we cross this divide in each other. And we go through looking at our history. We look at cultural influences, racing influences. We look at what what, are, what do you think about sex? What's the value of sex? It's a really interesting question to ask somebody and ask a couple: what is the point of having a fulfilling sex life? Which is why I was so excited when you you named it this, this webinar. That why? Why is it important? And it's you'd be surprised how people answer it and and don't or don't know the answer. So you should know what it is. And then it's, how do you navigate if your needs and wants are very different or have changed dramatically because of something physical happening or a stressor or life stage in your life? Um, and often what has to happen is if if you're at a one and a 10, you're not going to get to a place that you both are in the same place. You're going to have to understand there's going to be a compromise. And maybe you're looking at a seven and a, a five that, that, that your needs are going to be met. But It's really crucial, and that's why I talk about it being a responsibility, not just a birthright, is that you have to know the difference between what is a compromise for the relationship and what's a compromise of your soul. And the couples that can navigate that in the details of things are the ones who can find a compromise for the relationship, but not a compromise of your soul. And they're truthful about the difference. And there are times when one person in a partnership has completed for this phase um, their sexual connection in that way. And you start, you start, it's perhaps, so p- perhaps penetration's off the table. Then what you want to look at is widening the view and the definition of what sexual connection is. Uh, and it's so inspiring when you see a couple s- strip away what the shoulds are that everyone has told them and that they have been arguing about for years and years and years or crying about it or, or defensive about and say, okay. Let's not just have our own agency. Let's have agency in our relationship. Let's decide what we want. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what the, the articles are saying or what we think is supposed to be normal or whatever. Let's decide ourselves. That is such rich playing ground. And I just literally put my hands together I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Let's figure it out together. Let's figure out what feels good and right and let's get fun with it again, because so often when you're at that place, you've forgotten that there's a fun part of being sexually connected. It happens when people are trying to conceive too; that they get lost in what the, some of the reasons are for sexual connection. Um, and then, and then you look at perhaps what's more exciting to for you is how to how to snuggle, how to. Um, kiss each other's necks, how to mutually masturbate in front of each other or together and have that feel, not like a like a, a concession prize, but like this is hot and beautiful and wonderful and, and everything. And really what I have found is that when you're looking at how to change your relationship to your sexuality and your sexual connection details, you it often is how do you like to feel wanted? How do you know when you feel wanted as a human, as a sexual being? You know, when we have was, was we start aging, things change. And so it, what felt of value at this age like, well, that doesn't exist anymore. So do you still want me? And I'll have partners like I tell so-and-so, they are so sexy, and none of it lands. Well then what does that person need to feel? Now, it's not always the partner's responsibility to make you feel wanted. You have to accept the wanting and you have to be open to what that looks like. But you also, when you can find that sweet spot, it's a beautiful thing that the five lovely just did is that they teach you not your natural way of doing something isn't always with our partners. in, even if you're well-partnered with somebody, so asking your partner, how, when do you feel most wanted by me? Maybe it is, uh, when they grab your hand and kiss the top of your hand, maybe that's one of, maybe it's a smack on the ass as they walk by and it's this playful thing. Uh, Maybe it's uh, when your husband puts on his black socks and he does this look, I know you don't like this. And it's a joke between the two of you instead of like, a really? Or maybe it's when he throws away all those black socks and says, I know you don't like it when I look like this and I'm going to get rid of them now. The, the ideas are endless if you care about your partner, knowing that you want them on many levels, sexually, emotionally, and the essence of who they are and that you're someone who provides that for somebody else too and that you know what you need and what you want. So we we just received a comment
0: from someone that, um and I will paraphrase this, so I apologize to the person living, uh, listening in, that the messaging that we are sharing um, has been heard years ago, but now we are in menopause. Mm-hmm. So this is perhaps less relevant. So how do we address what's going on as we transition? Because we are always transitioning, right? And mm-hmm. so what What is your advice for women who have transitioned through the um
1: perimenopausal and menopausal years? With menopause, what I, what I actually have found in addition to that is it's it is what does what does it mean for like for those who are going through menopause what is what does menopause mean to you? Does it feel like an ending or does it feel like a new chapter? Does it feel like something's been taken from you or do you feel like you've been given some freedom? And I think there's for some, there's quite a bit of grieving that happens alongside of that, that you need to address and understand. um, And and to find support out there that finding practitioners that actually care about your sexual fulfillment as you are entering menopause or through menopause. And I like I, I will say to, to women and I hold to myself if I walked into a practitioner's office and I'm talking about my about if it's like you know a gynecological or, or midwife level if they're not asking me proactively about my sexual health and my sexual wellness then I'm not seeing them again, and I don't mean that in, a, in an abrasive way but I just know that there's so many hurdles that I have to overcome so finding practitioners that are proactive and care about it and will. Listen to what you're saying. Um, and, and also, we're not really given the tools very often to ask for it ourselves. So, I like it when practitioners are being proactive in it. Um, when we're looking at the differences in our body, um, for instance, if you're having a harder time um, having pleasure or having orgasm, that's something that I hear quite a bit as um, someone is in, is in menopause. Well, what does that mean? And again, we need to look at just having a new assessment with our body. Um, What I talk to women about is, okay, so this is what worked. This is, this no longer works. Let's come up with other options. I think it's really important to do a very a great deep dive into your anatomy. Um, most of us were not given an evolved way of looking at our anatomy. And I've said this, I've given this resource previously, uh, but this book called The Clitoral Truth is truly my, my Bible uh, that I think everyone should learn. It's by Rebecca Chalker, um, and there's several additions to it. And she does such a beautiful job of explaining our anatomy and its functionality in relationship to pleasure in a way that I haven't seen replicated. Um, and she's one of the first people to do it. And she talked about understanding our clitoral system, not just um, our, the vaginal opening and not just what everyone calls the clitoris. And that's different. And even though it's becoming m- more common to see it out in social media and out in articles, I still think it's just the first level that we're being exposed to it and we need to be responsible for doing the what's next. So really understanding your anatomy because yes, your anatomy has changed in menopause. Your hormonal makeup has changed how your body is reacting to and has the ability to have some kind of pleasure. So if you know your anatomy, then you can try different places, different rhythms, different parts of your body and see if there's different erogenous zones that are either being awakened or have been waiting to be awakened because the big players were taking up a lot of space. And, uh, and if they are no longer reacting the same way, then you can do things differently too. It's amazing when you understand your muscles, your PC muscles, your nerve intricacies and your clitoral system, how different you can look at the options of your pleasure. Um, people, will, people who like to give pleasure to vulvas will often say, it is so complicated. It is so delicate and complicated. And, and some will say so much work. Um, and I will call it a masterpiece. I think it is a masterpiece. And, um, but it's one that we don't know very often, especially on ourselves. And the other thing, plug I'll make for that is, I think it's important no matter what age you are to have a healthcare provider that will talk about your own anatomy with you. I had my mentor, Betty Dotson, who did her own uh, way of, uh, she was not a a medical physician, but she had her own way of teaching people their anatomy. And she would go through your particular anatomy with you. Uh, It was quite nerve wracking, even with the work that I do to have that be so intimate and not be in a sexual experience. And I was surprised on my own body what I didn't know. And, um, and that's more than just looking at it in a mirror, which is important, but actually understanding what the parts are, what they look like and how they function together on your own body can make a very big difference in menopause um, as you are getting more creative and being more open to what pleasure looks like and what brings it to you. So that, that,
0: that, was, that was great. It, was a se- it is a wonderful segue to the next question. And it is a question about the use of sex toys, notably vibrators. And actually there's an interesting piece of of research which um, talks about sex, solo sex, um, sexual pleasure, and what that means. And at least in the research, it indicates that a woman who has pleasured herself either through the use of a sex toy or using her finger to masturbate to explore those parts of her body may actually be more adept at then experiencing sexual fulfillment, sexual pleasure, whether it is with a partner or solo. The question is, how about a sex toy? How
1: do I start? Mm-hmm. Yes. And also I'll add to that, A question I often get is, uh, can I like ruin myself if I use a sex toy or like numb myself out or is the only way I'll ever have an orgasm again, too, and I'll, I'm going to answer that also. Um, yes it is uh, the benefits of knowing how your body receives pleasure is it's so vast it is it's empowering to be able to um, have to be able to give yourself pleasure however why that pleasure is whether it is just it feels good versus an orgasm there's something quite powerful in and being able to do that that you can be in charge of and responsible for your own pleasure is important uh, it changes a lot of things in your life when you can do this, when you feel and give yourself access to that. For some people, it's the, the, the barrier between that and pleasure is they don't feel good about their body or they think their genitals are, are different or bad. And so it can be so empowering to then move past that and be like, yeah, I can touch myself. I can do this. Then it's the, like I use this, this um, technique um, in, in workshops. I'll have everyone take off their shoe, one shoe and socks that they have socks on. And I'll say, all right, I want you to move. let's pretend this is a foot. I want you to move your pinky toe, just your pinky toe. And so you try you do this. Most people, uh, not all, but most people haven't done that because when do you ever need just to move your pinky toe? And so I'll talk about, if you start looking by the end of the workshop, someone will be like, I did it. Here it is. I want you to see my pinky toe. It'll write me later and be like, I can perfect it. I, and now I've done it so much. I can like pick up stuff with my pinky toe because I've worked that pathway so much. And I've been focused on that. Now Not all bodies can do exactly what we want them to. And we've learned that over and over again. But as part of the point of, of solo sex is experimenting with it and experimenting with different touches, experimenting with different places. Again, if you know your anatomy, then you can really work through it, too. But then sometimes it's nice not to think too hard. Just, just does this feel good or does it not? Do I like this? And I wish that we could talk about how we solo sex more often and more normally so we can get more ideas. Just like... Like, what is your favorite brownie uh, recipe? How do you like to how do you like to masturbate or have solo sex? I remember the first time I found out that some people solo masturbate or solo sexed uh, on their knees um, up against something I was like that's brilliant. It would have never occurred to me to have done that and I've shared my own techniques, like, yeah, who knew? It would be so lovely to have a repertoire of places and ways to go about it that felt so normal. And you could like go try it, and it wasn't this terrible secretive thing. It would open us up to so much more. And when you know all of that, you can work, if you're working with a partner on this, then you can do things in overt and subtle ways. So if you know that the left side of your clitoral shaft Likes it a lot more than the right side. Then you can move a position. You can direct their fingers, or if they, if their your partner has um, a dildo or a, a penis, that you can move it to that side, with uh, without a whole lot of communication because you already know it. And you wouldn't know that if you hadn't tried it on your on your on, with yourself. If you're starting to work with, if you're interested in vibrators then uh, one of the things that you want to, to know and to try out, especially if you have the budget for it, is you want to try something that is um, described as like a softer touch, a, a softer uh, vibration. And then you want to have one that, that is described as uh, more vibration and more intensity to it. And when you get it, you want to try it like right here on your wrist to just to have your body not be so surprised by it. Um, and... And then you want to play around with it. Um, I think it's great to try the the vibrator on different parts of your body before you go straight to your genitals. Again, just to warm your body up and to tell your body, I'm doing something good for you. This is a gift. This is beautiful. And I might not like it. And that's fine, too. So you look at it as an I wonder if I like this. I wonder if I like it like this. Instead of, oh, what does this mean? Like the pressure of it. Also, I wanted to, again, feel like it's a gift. You're giving yourself. This is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. And you start off with the softer one. Uh, some women when the first time they've ever used a vibrator. It, it, it happened so fast. And they're like, what? Did, was that an orgasm? I don't know. It just was like, it was this big thing that just happened to my body. Uh, and for others, you are like, super annoying. I do not like that feeling. I don't like it there. I was like, OK, both of those experiences are great. Now we're moving on to the other one. And then you want to try the one with the, the more intensity. Um, if you're using one with a more intensity and you're not sure how much your body, um, especially your, your clitoral system will like it, um, it's good to put like a towel, um, a shirt or something in between you and the vibrator um, to see and, and then move towards if you want direct contact or not. And it is wonderful to use lubricant as a part of uh, using it with a sex toy as well. That isn't just for partnered sex. It's also with sex toys too. And that is not a bad thing. That is a beautiful thing that we have access to it and can bring immense solo pleasure when you combine a vibrator um, with lubrication.
0: So we have another, we have another question, uh, which is part two from the same person uh, that asked the question on menopause. And that is how can I, help my husband with his desire? And testosterone is off the table. Again, um, I am paraphrasing from the question.
1: Sure, yeah. So um, with uh, in helping him with his desire, one is the, the first thing is to make sure he knows that his desire matters, that is important to you. And that is something that we're gonna to take seriously um, in, in his life and in the relationship. Um, And it's going to be co-created together um, as you get curious about what the options are. Um, Partly is you want want to to do more dissection of how much of of his relationship desire is being rooted in more psychological things, how much is being rooted in physical things. So oftentimes, it's not one thing, it's multiple things, and you want to rule out uh, first, I like to rule out physical limitations from it. Um, It's good to know, and and, uh, it's good to know you can't add testosterone to it, but testosterone isn't always the the end-all be-all too. Uh, I wanna make sure too, sometimes desire, when we're talking about desire in men, we're talking about erections in men. Um, And that's a different question altogether um, uh, as well. Um, but if we're just talking about a man feeling like he doesn't ever want to have sexual connection, if that's what we're talking about, then you do want to look at hormonal levels. You want to look at, is there interaction side effect with other medication that he is on? And you want to look at, again, the same kind of questions. How is he feeling about himself? I'll hear this a lot. Um, when men are, um, uh, in retirement that they, uh, they lost some purpose in their life and they either become hypersexualized or their sexual their sexual experience becomes a lot less. Um, that just in general there's a dulling of things in their life and i would say the same thing works with the question of spark what's bringing him spark and purpose. People can live a long time in pain they cannot live a long time without purpose especially with a, with a happiness factor. So finding that together. The other thing is that i find <coughs> excuse me in in partnered situations with desire discrepancy is that you're in this together, excuse me, um, that you, you all can redefine things, even if there's limitations from moving forward, that he's still wanted, he is still important, and his sexuality still very much matters and is exciting to you. Juliana, I'm going to give you a break so you can <laughs> water, and I'm going to
0: answer the next question. So the next question that we received was the to differentiate between a vaginal moisturizer and a personal lubricant so vaginal moisturizers are used continuously they don't necessarily have to be used just during the act of intercourse lubricants are typically used during uh, or with the sex act so for penetrative intercourse they can be used with sex toys they can be used for penile um, intercourse but if you find one as the Miavita product, which is both a personal lubricant and vaginal moisturizer. It is designed to be used every single day if you choose to use it every day. In fact, it's encouraged so that you can keep your vaginal mucus, mucosa hydrated, but it enhances the comfort and ease of sexual intercourse, whether that is with a toy or whether that is with penile intercourse. So that's the, that's the difference. So some, uh, and by the way, if you have a personal lubricant and vaginal moisturizer, it must be FDA cleared. So be careful what you choose, make sure that your vaginal lubricant and personal or personal lubricant and vaginal moisturizer are FDA cleared.
1: Yes, I agree with all of that. And it's, it's also a question that i am asked quite a bit too. Um, and I agree with it and love your product a lot.
0: Thank you. I believe this is about the dating game. I am in the second phase of life and I am trying to re-enter the dating game. And the question is, where do I begin? I haven't had sex in
1: years. Mm -hmm. I want to validate how scary that can feel. And exciting, but scary. And uh, I I I think that's the important place to begin, is like just acknowledging what those feelings are like and the overwhelm of it, and encourage yourself to let yourself be guided more by the possibilities and excitement that could be awaiting you. And to also really gather the strengths of entering the dating life um, at an older age with your wisdom and your experience and what you know more about yourself. Um, Not everyone feels this way, but a lot of women as they're moving uh, through the decades will feel like a a better knowing of who they are. That strength that you have, if you have that, I would grow it more and um, and, or start there if that hasn't, if that isn't the feeling of it and realize you're going to draw better people to you and you are going to be able to speak up more in uh, your sexual connections and you really need to adopt the belief and the attitude that I'm just I'm going to have fun with this. This is going to be interesting and different and uh, messy and clunky and instead of perfect. And is, it, it, this is the case, and especially if you are dating uh, in similar ages. the Same thing is happening for them also. They, their body has changed they are dealing with multiple things and hopefully they have done the work to know more about themselves as well. Uh, I, I work with many people that they, they speak about the sex life that they have in their second chapter being so much better than their first one, because they know themselves better. They can speak up for themselves more often and, uh, and they are ready to be more adventurous. And for those who've gone through menopause, they don't have to worry about pregnancy, Um, And it's they the talking about contraception isn't as hard and if it is hard if it's been a very long time since you've had to, uh, if you're partnering up with someone who has a penis getting a condom. um, You just practice it and have grace with yourself it's if it's been a while so okay, so then it's going to take some practice to get that right. Um, And to feel into this. Um, And then I like having dating buddies too. Uh, You want to be careful about what kind of dating buddy that you have. Because you want somebody who is positive oriented. And it's not going to be just the doom and gloom of how hard it is. uh, And how weird it is to be on apps and all that. Because all of that is true. Uh, But you want somebody who's going to help bring you. uh, Both of you can lift each other up in this process. And if you have a weird date or a weird sexual experience. That you can laugh about it. Uh, with good humor and hope, instead of it feeling detrimental and awful. Um, I hope, I just wish you so well in, in the dating experience. There's a lot of waiting you.
0: Thank you. So we are at 5 PM and this is Femme Pharma Consumer Healthcare. And we're with Dr. Juliana Hauser. And the message is not more, 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 but more fulfilling, fulfilling sexual experiences may lead to you wanting more and more and more. Dr. Hauser, thank you so much for being our guest on this webinar. If you would like to visit Dr. Hauser's website, it's dr-juliana.com. She also offers a course and she's an expert in agency and specifically in sexual agency. Feel free to check out her site, her coursework, and her interactive sessions with women just like us. So, Juliana, once again, on behalf of Pharma Consumer Healthcare, thank you so much. And to those listening in, stay tuned. There will be a second chapter. Take care. <music>